I was telling you, uh, I'm a pastor and I get asked a lot of questions. And it doesn't just stop with you. My five-year-old son absolutely stumped me last week in the car. I was driving him to school and he said to me, uh, hey, daddy. I said, yeah, yeah, bud. He said, why did God make people to not be able to touch electricity? It's like, really, pal? Jeez, like, I, I have... No idea, son. Let me, uh, let me look at the Bible and get back to you on that one. But I get asked questions all the time in this COVID era. I get asked, uh, would, would Jesus wear a mask? Um, would Jesus get the vaccine? Is Jesus more Republican or Democrat? Uh, I get asked questions of, is Jesus coming back anytime soon? Is the Turkish president the next Antichrist? What does the Bible say about drinking? Can I drink beer as a a Christian. I'll just tell you this. If you are a man drinking White Claw, you are in sin for sure. Like you are, you are, you are already way off. But then I get asked, uh, can I, can I smoke weed? Um, no. Well, what if it's made legal? Still no. Uh, I'll give this one. I had a college guy ask me this question, you know, tip of the cap for creativity here. He said, hey, is it premarital sex if I never get married? <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like the past two weeks. I get, I get asked questions about church, and I'm, I'm so glad uh, I, we, we sang a hymn today because uh, I get asked all the time, why, why don't we sing hymns? I want my kids to grow up and remember the old songs and remember the hymns and sing the hymns. I, I don't know about you, but I just want my kids to grow up loving and singing about Jesus. I don't care what songs we sing. I don't care what comes out of any of their mouths as long as it's a song about Jesus. I'm fired up about it. Uh, then I get asked questions about the volume. Is the, is the volume, uh, it's not loud enough or it's too loud and what should the volume be in church and should there be a cross present and no cross present? I get asked, do we speak in tongues? Do we like the Baptist? Do we preach the prosperity gospel? All these, I mean, just wacky questions. And then I get looped into the um, the, uh, the, the church gossip questions, right? I, I, hey, did, did you know? And by the way, I'll tell you, you will not get very far with me at all if you want to gossip and talk bad about another church. I love other churches. I love what God is doing across the body at large. But I'll, I'll get at, hey, did you know that so-and-so, that they're doing this now? Or, or someone will come to me and say, man, I, I used to go to this church and I got badly burned. Well, if you stick around here long enough, we're going to light you up as well because we're just we're sinful people gathered together trying to do church together, right? What happens when you get a room full of sinful people together? Sin. That's what happens, right? Yet the Lord is gracious to us. He's faithful to us. And so I get asked all of these questions, yet when I think about Easter, the reason I love Easter, the reason I call it Resurrection Sunday, the reason I love today, and the reason, more importantly, the reason I believe God does more on this weekend than any other weekend out of the year. Across the board, church attendance is absolutely multiplied. Across the board, salvations are multiplied. People are at church early. Man, we had a 9 a.m. We had this place full. I was like, holy smokes. The 9 a.m. is here, and they're ready. I mean, the reason God moves in so much power on this weekend, and if, if anything, um, I'll give you this. I was thinking, Lord, what do you want my assignment to be? And I really feel like 
This one verse, if you walk away with anything today, uh, this is where it's at. And this is the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's where we started this last Adam season, but it's where the Lord has brought me back to. Why does God move more on this day than any other day? Let me read it to you. It says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. I'm going to read it again. I want you to say that with me. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. One more time. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. The most important thing that we do, that we talk about, that we live, that we declare, that we preach is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Why does God move more on this weekend than any other weekend? Because for the first time and the only time out of the year, I shouldn't say that, but you you get what I'm saying. One time out of the year, we all gather and we have what's most important as most important. You know when you came here, we're singing songs about the resurrection of Jesus. You know when you came here, we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And we make what's most important, most important. And what happens? Churches are packed and people are saved and God moves in power. Why? Because it is of first importance. If you hear anything from me today, hear this. The death Burial and resurrection of Jesus is of first importance in our life, in every moment of our life, in everything that we do, in everything that we speak, in every interaction that we have, in every thought that we have. It is the death, burial, and resurrection. In fact, Paul says that in verse 4. He says that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's why We're here. You know this. There is a difference between knowing about the resurrection of Jesus and having the priority of the resurrection of Jesus as first importance in your life. There's a huge difference. I'll I'll illustrate it for you. Um, I bought a new grill. Men, help me here. I bought a new grill. Yeah, right? I mean, finally, I had this Weber Spirit, and uh, it was like 10 years old. It was rusted. It was a mess, and it's beginning to be that time of year. So I was like, you know what? I'm buying a new grill. Started researching online, went to Sam's Club, and I found a Members Mark Pro Series. Had no idea that they made it. So I started doing this research, and this guy wrote this review. Aren't you thankful for reviews? And he wrote this review comparing everything in a Weber spirit to this grill. And the aluminum was better, the metals were better, the size was bigger, the grills and grates and everything was better. It was just better and it was a quarter of the price. Done. I'm in. I went, I bought the grill, got home, and inside the instructions there was this little QR code that you're supposed to scan. And so I scanned it with my phone and this app popped up. And I opened up this app and it had 66 steps to assemble this grill and suggested two and a half hours of time. I was like, what am I, welding this thing together? Like, that's crazy, right? So my father-in-law was with me, and we were talking, and I said, I I bet we can do it in an hour. He was like, oh, yeah, hour with a break. Like, we got this, no problem. So we start slapping this thing together, right? And, you know, you use the instructions as a guide until you get a feel for where you're going. And then I started saying to myself, we we got this. Let's just, let's go from here on out. We throw the thing together. It's fully together. And then we have this little pile of, like, uh, stuff, right? And we were just like, oh, you know, you know what they do. They give you extras of things so that you, you know, you, if you lose something or it doesn't come with it, you have extras, right? So I'm grilling, and I, I kid you not, I love this grill. It's so awesome. It's so cool. And it annoys me to death because there's one door on the front of the grill that stays open. It won't close. 
it just, it's, I was literally grilling chicken last night, and this gust of wind came, knocks open the door, it's hitting me in the knees. And I'm like, this is the most annoying thing in the world. And so I have this, this screw, and it's about this big, and it goes, uh, so I was looking back over the instructions, and this screw holds in a pin, and that pin holds the door closed. Here's the problem. That screw goes underneath a heat deflector plate that is attached to the firebox, that is attached to this side shelf that has this electrical component for the push ignite that was like 17 pieces to put together, and that one screw was step four out of 66. So now, in order to get the door to close on my grill, I literally have to disassemble 95% of the grill. And it drives me crazy because I have everything that I need. I just got it out of order. What Paul is saying here is we have everything that we need. Can I tell you something? If you came here expecting a fresh revelation on the resurrection that's going to transform everything that you've known, seen, or heard about Jesus, you're not going to get that. Paul even says, I'm going to pass on to you what I have received of first importance. Here is what is important for us to do today. It is not to learn something new. It's to reprioritize what we have. It is to reprioritize the life, the hope, the resurrection, the spirit that we have. God raised Jesus from the dead. That spirit lives in me. That spirit should be leading me. I shouldn't be TV-led. I shouldn't be friend-led. I shouldn't be news-led. I shouldn't be social media-led. I shouldn't be family-led. I should be spirit led by the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead that is most important to me. Now, here's what I love about Paul. Paul says, when you are spirit-led, when the resurrection of Jesus is of first importance, your life will look like this. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 58. It's how he wraps up the whole chapter. He says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Verse 54, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58, this is where we'll spend all of our time. If you have your Bible, circle that word, therefore. That word, therefore, means in light of everything that you've just been told. In light of having the gospel of first importance, in light of Jesus coming and Jesus rising, and whether we die now or we're called up when he comes and we are made from mortal to immortal, from perishable to imperishable, we have been transformed, we have been changed, death has no power, sin has no sting because of those things. What should my life look like if I have the resurrection of Jesus Christ as first importance? He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor 
in the Lord is not in vain. Verses 51 through 54, Paul just simply summarizes what it looks like when Jesus comes back. The dead will be made to rise. The perishable will be made imperishable. The mortal will be clothed with immortality, and we will be changed. I love 55 through 57. I'm going to summarize these for you really quick. He says, death is an enemy, but death is only an enemy because of sin. Catch that. He said, the sting of death, the power of death is wrapped up in sin. When sin has been defeated and Jesus dies for our sins, he's buried for our sins and rose from the dead so we can live a new life, death is no longer an enemy. Death has been defeated because the sting of sin has been taken away. Uh, I asked the first service, this was funny, I, I said, my son, he had a really bad encounter with these red wasps last summer, so he's horrified of you know, bugs that fly, and he thinks, I called them mosquito wasps, but they're mosquito hawks, right? These giant things that look like half spider, half wasp, and they fly around everywhere, you know? My son is horrified of those. He's terrified of these things. And I mean, we were riding his bicycle outside, jumps off his bike, rips off his helmet, dead sprint inside when he saw one. I'm like, son, what is wrong? And he said, those wasps, those wasps are going to sting me. And I said, son, they have no sting. They cannot do anything to you. That's what Paul is saying. Death has no sting when sin has been conquered. Addiction has no sting in your life. Divorce no longer has a sting in your life. Shame no longer has a sting in your life because Jesus died for those sins and he rose so that you can live a new life. And then Paul says, therefore, because of those things, and I'm going to read you the verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I'm going to read it in the ESV. Uh, same words, but I love how they separate them into separate words because they are separate words in the Greek. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers, here's our three points for the day. Be steadfast. What does it look like when the resurrection is a first priority in my life? I'm steadfast. What does it look like when the resurrection is a first priority? I'm immovable. He says, be steadfast, be immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, the, the Lord, your knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Let's jump in. First three things. We're out of here. Steadfastness. He says, what does it look like when I'm living a resurrection, a resurrected life, when the resurrection is of first importance? He says, number one, I am steadfast. First Corinthians 15, 58. He said, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. That word for steadfast gives a picture of everything else around us almost looking like a roller coaster up and down and in and out. And yet there is one thing, and that is us, that is steady, that is steadfast, that is not shaken by the things happening in the world, that is not shaken by one thing that somebody says about you, that is not shaken by everything that people are talking about. He said you have a steadfastness when the resurrection is your first priority. I was driving to church last week, and a, a woman was driving behind me. A woman was driving behind me. She was driving way too close to me. I was like, what is her problem? And I was in the left lane, and I'm getting it, right? I'm driving pretty good. And this woman is right. I'm like, is this my wife or what? And, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, she's just tailgating me like crazy. And so I was like, okay, fine. Uh, I, I'll give you the lane if you want it. Turn on my blinker. I move over, and she stays right there. And I'm like, what? 
go, go. She ain't moving. And I'm like, okay, you want to play games? I can play games. We'll have a little fun here. So I move back over and, and cut back in the lane. And she, mm, right, I'm talking right on me. And I'm like, what is the problem here? So I move over again. And I'm like, have it. It's yours. And she won't do anything. And then all of a the sudden, there was this car that was behind her. And I mean, you know that guy who does like the three-lane swoop, hits all the way over into the right. Maybe that's you. I, I, see, I see women looking at their husband like, he's talking about you on Easter, you know. He just, he's in the left lane. He's like, man, they're not going anywhere. And just all the way around. He goes around me. He goes around her. And then he cuts in front of all of us and he winds up in the left lane. And you know what she did? takes off after him. She's doing 100 miles an hour now behind him, and I realized something. She had no clue how fast she wanted to go. She had no clue how fast she was going. She was just following the car in front of her. What Paul is saying is when you have a steadfastness in the Lord, you're no longer living according to the speed of everything else around you. You're no longer living. You have a spiritual cruise control that is set and you are steady and you are going. And it doesn't take one little problem to throw you completely off. It doesn't take one little thing at work to throw you completely off. It doesn't take one comment from your spouse or one challenge with your child. But he says you are when the resurrection is of first priority, you are steadfast. There is nothing that can rock your boat. There may be storms all around you. There may be things happening all around you, but you have a steadiness in your life. If you are looking for steadiness, you are saying, man, it has just been so unstable. I can't seem to, <clears throat> to catch my feet. I can't seem to, to get ahead. I just feel like I'm always shifting one way or the other. Paul says, because the priority of the resurrection is not governing and leading your life. But when we make that transition, we move in steadfastness. We have something that roots us, something that grounds us. And then he says, second, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and then be immovable. Here's the difference in steadfast and immovable. When you're steadfast, it's everything around you can't bring you down or can't change your attitude or can't change your spirit. When you are immovable, it's the things that come directly at you. They are pulling you down. They are trying to stop you. It is someone making a false accusation about you or your family. It's someone talking bad about you or gossiping about you on social media or saying something about your children that isn't true or something of that nature. You're saying you become immovable. When they come knocking at you, nothing can stop you. Immovable is the Greek word ametakinitos. Try to say that one three times fast. Ametakinitos. It is a word that is used. It's a verb that's used to describe the Greek noun, which is the first letter of the alphabet, alpha. So the word that he uses here to say that we're immovable, he's saying you actually, you live and you act like an alpha, right? We all know who alpha is, right? It's that bald chick with a mask on that leads around all the whispers, right? Nobody watch Walking Dead? What is wrong with you guys? I'm just... <laughs> I'm totally kidding. No, that's not Alpha. Let me read you who Alpha is. Revelation 1a. Man, that fell flat. I thought we were all like fans of, of TWD around here. Never mind. Revelation 1a, he says, I am. Who is Alpha? 
I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who was, who is, and who is still to come, the Almighty. Alpha was reserved for that person who was the leader of the pack that you could not take out. They were the first, they were the strongest, they were the beginning. The Lord declares Himself as Alpha, and then He says when the resurrection is our priority in life, we have that Alpha about us that nothing can take us down. When I think of immovable, I think of um, one of my favorite stories about my son. He is, we used to be in the old LSC, right? There, I don't know if anyone here used to be in the old LSC with us. Let me see. Let me see our veterans. Where's our veterans? We used to be in the old LSC, and we used to have uh, 20-foot pipe and drape. In fact, I'll show you. Catch me here online. Uh, I'll show you. We had, we had this pipe and drape that was 20 feet long, and it looked a lot like this. It was really tall. And my son, his favorite thing to do, wow, I can see all of you. Y'all look beautiful, by the way. Uh, His favorite thing to do is go sprinting through the curtains. He thought it was so cool. He'd take off on a dead sprint, and he'd run through them, and he thought it was a blast until this one time he was on this dead sprint. I'm talking, started at the back, and the yellow hair, SpongeBob and everywhere, and he's running, and he takes off, and I kid you not, he caught this thing right here. You see that? That's a 20-foot aluminum pole. It is anchored by this very, very heavy anchor here, and he's, I'm, I kid you not, look like a cartoon. He wrapped both his arms and both his legs completely around that pole. He takes off, dead sprint, hits them both, falls down. I'm looking at him. He's got this giant red mark from the top. He's laying there flat. His eyes are spinning in circles. He's like, Bubby, are you okay? And when I got up to him, he had this huge red mark straight down the middle of his face, and he said, Daddy, he said, the curtains are supposed to move. Now when you hit the post, baby. Not when you find the post in between. That's what we are in Christ, right? We are immovable. It is when things come running at us, trying to knock you down. You are rooted and immovable. So nothing, you are an alpha. You've always wanted to be an alpha. You always wanted to be the man, right? You want to be strong. You want to be tough. You want to be unstoppable. You want to be immovable. You are only that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are immovable. You are unstoppable. You are steadfast. You are steady. And then look, he finishes here, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He says, you are steadfast. You are immovable. I love this one. You are always abounding. You are always overcoming. That is a Greek word picture for always exceeding the water level. You are always, and and look right here first, it says, therefore, my beloved dear brothers, be. These are things we are to be. These are identity pieces of us. These are not things to do. This is who we are. You are steadfast in Christ. You are immovable in Christ. You are always abounding. You're always exceeding the water level. I have a friend, he owns a construction company, and things are crazy right now. Every time I call him, I say, how are you doing? He said, man, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Just trying to keep my head above water. Do you know when you are living with the resurrection as the priority of your life, when Jesus is the center of your life, when the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ define who you are, your head is always above water. 
Oh, man, I owe my son. We have this rule in my house that if I use you as a sermon illustration, I owe you a dessert. He's going to be in the middle of my Oreos because he's gotten the past two, right? So uh, another funny story about my son, when I think of abounding, when I think of overcoming the water level, my boy, he is, I was giving him a bath, and he was taking a bath in our tub. And I said, Bubby, try, try to go underwater. He was like, oh, yeah. He's like, Dad, I can do that. I can do that. So he gets down uh, on his knees about like this, and he plugs his nose. And I, I, didn't, I, I really didn't think he would try it, right? But he's, he's got his nose here, and he does like this reverse baptism plunge. He just literally, boom, and I mean straight into the water. And his knees swept out from under him, and he was just spinning in circles. Like he was just like trying to, trying to get himself above the water, right? And so he comes out of the water, and he's got water in his eyes, got water in his nose. He's coughing. He's choking. He starts screaming. Anna comes running in, and Anna says, what happened? What happened? And he says, Daddy tried to drown me in the tub. And Anna looks at me and was like, what is wrong with you? What are you, I'm like, do you really think, do you really think I would? He's lying. I don't want to go underwater. He was the one silly enough to do it. <laughs> I didn't know he'd actually try. But then he's sitting there and he's like, I can't take baths anymore. I can't. And I said, son, listen, you're not drowning. Look at you. The water's right here. All you had to do was get up. Listen, in Christ, you are not drowning. You feel like you're a drowning, but he says you're abounding. Your head's always above water. You're always overcoming. If you feel like today that every day you're waking up and you have no steadfastness, nothing that's keeping you at peace, you feel like things are just knocking you down one right after the other, or you feel like your head's always underwater and you just can't swim up high enough to get a breath, the resurrection of Jesus Christ needs to become the first priority of your life. When that happens, the peace that transcends all understanding, overcomes your life. The Spirit that raised Christ from the dead makes you immovable to the things that are coming at you. And you continue to abound. You keep your head above water.